name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. topical message so if you're taking notes you might want to write scriptures down so that you can look these up if you care to I mean it's going to be pretty simple but uh, so let me just dive in Psalm 37 37 says this it says mark the blameless man and behold the upright for the man of peace will have prosperity now here's the point of that psalm the psalmist is telling us to look for a man who's like that so that we can be like him so that we can follow him so that we can imitate him now the Apostle Paul would say something similar, if not even more specific, to his in his letter to the second Thess- I mean to the Thessalonians in his second letter. This is what he says to them. He says, "For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone else's bread without paying for it. But we labored in hardship. We kept working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you. Not because we didn't have a right to do this. Now listen." But in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, that you might follow our example. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, check us out, see what we're like, and then follow us. Mark the man, mark the man that is this way, and then you imitate him, and you be like him. In fact, God doesn't just want us to imitate somebody for the sake of imitating. God wants us to imitate. God wants us to imitate someone so that we can be someone Imitatable? Is that a word? It's not, I know. But, you know, so that we might be someone that other people might imitate in the same way. You know, the children's movie Balto, if you all seen that, those of you with little children probably have, but uh, the half-wolf, half-dog Balto marks a trail on the trees. But the uh, adversary dog comes along, marks all the trees, so that Balto's distinguishable marks are no longer distinguishable, because they're everywhere. Now, what we need is we need men and women who are leaving, leading, leaving and leading lives that lead, leave, sorry, that leave distinguishable marks for all of us to follow. Something that's really clear, something for us to see. Pastor Johnny Hunt once said, we don't just need men and women who know the Word of God. We need men and women who model the Word of God. We need to have people that we can mark and say, this is what they're like. And I want to say this, in this day and age, we need this more than ever. More than ever, we need, to, we need people who are leading such distinguishable lives that others can mark those people and follow those people. And this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at such a man that left such clear marks for others to follow. And the marks weren't just in the decisions that he made, but rather in his character and in his life. And of course, I'm talking about the man Joshua. Next Sunday, we'll be starting a study in the book of Joshua, a book attributed to him. And it's really the story of his leadership and the conquest of the lands of Canaan. But this morning, what I thought would be good, just kind of as an introduction to the book, would be for us to mark the man Joshua, for us to see what it was about his life that made him so special. So if you would, I'm just going to kind of, in a, in a simple sort of way, walk you through Joshua's life. We find Joshua for the first time in Exodus chapter 17. In chapter 17, it says that that Moses commissioned him to lead the battle against the Amalekites. We don't know know where he came from. We don't know how he came to that position. 
position, but that's their, our first introduction to him. Moses says, hey, lead the battle. And he goes out and he fights the battle against the Amalekites, and he wins as long as Moses' arms are up in the air. You remember the story. In Numbers chapter 11, we find him as an assistant to Moses. That's the role that he had. He was the assistant to Moses, and he had that role evidently his entire life. And we see throughout uh, the uh, books of Exodus and Deuteronomy that Moses greatly influenced Joshua's life. In Exodus 24, Joshua, we find him going up on the mountain with Moses to get the Ten Commandments. He's up there with him. Now, how close he is in proximity to Moses when he meets with God, we don't know. But he's on the mountain with Moses. We find him at the tabernacle. Whenever God met with Moses in the tabernacle, it says that Joshua was there. In Numbers chapter 11, we find two men who are given the spirit of prophecy. And they're going through the, they're going through the people of Israel prophesying. And Joshua comes to Moses and he says, make them stop. And he's jealous for Moses. He doesn't think it's right that, uh, that these guys are prophesying and it's not Moses. I love what Moses said. I wish we could all be like Moses. Here's what Moses said. He said, I wish all of God's people prophesied. Confirming, I think, what it says in Numbers 12, 3, which says Moses was a humble man, the most humble man on the earth. No, I think that's just an idiom, like saying, you know, he, he's the greatest, or, you know, when we say a million people or whatever, it's just an idiom to say Moses was the super humble person. And we see it right there when Joshua's jealous for him, Moses is saying, man, I wish everybody was like this. I wish everybody could prophesy. So he wasn't jealous for himself, or he wasn't in any way threatened by these, by these men. You know, King David had his mighty men. Moses had Joshua. Really, I think that's, that's guy that, the guy that Moses had was Joshua. Now, when we reach the promised land, they send 12 spies in to check out the land of Canaan to see what it's like. And Moses, I mean, uh, Joshua is one of those men. And Joshua is one of only two of the 12 that comes back and says, man, God is able. We can take this land. I mean, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. This is our land. He's only one of two who says that. He's filled with faith and he's filled with courage. The other guys come back and they're scared to death. And they lead, they lead all of Israel to be filled with fear and to not go in. And because of that, they would wander in the desert for a whole generation for 40 years. Only Joshua and Caleb would get to go in. Now, it was a time when Moses, um, there was, this was the same time when Moses changed Joshua's name. His name had been Hosea. That was the name that had been given to him in Egypt. And it was a good name. And the name Hosea means God saves, but it's generic. Moses changed his name to Joshua, which is Yahweh saves. And I think he did it for two reasons. I think he did it, one, because he's preparing Joshua for what's coming. The fact that he's going to lead the people for the next umpteen years, right? But I think he's also saying to his people as they look to Joshua, it's not just a generic God that saves us. It's Yahweh that saves us. It's our God, the God who was on Mount Sinai. It was the God who said, my name is I am. My name is Yahweh. So he's pointing them, by giving Joshua this name, he's pointing them not to a generic God, but to their true God. At the end of the book of Numbers, we, uh, we find that uh, God says to Moses, uh, anoint Joshua as, my, uh, as your follower, I mean, as your, the next guy in line after you. And that's what he does. He takes him in front of all the people. He lays hands.
hands on him. He anoints him and he says, you're going to be the man who's going to lead the conquest of the promised land. And of course, the book that bears his name is, is, is that story of him doing just that. But before we turn our attention to that, I'd like us to go back now and let me just talk about Joshua's character. And, and I know how it is. I don't want to be long this morning. You know, we're, we're still trying. I'm still trying to feel my way through how we should do this. Okay. But so I'm, I'm going to be a little bit shorter today. But what I'd like to do for just a few minutes with you is just look at four, four marks that are on Joshua's life. Not, not four decisions he made. We'll see the decisions he's going to make. But I want you to see four things about him, four marks on his life. And then, and then my goal in doing that is saying, this is how we should be. This is what we should imitate as followers of Jesus. Jesus. So let me dive in. Here's the four character qualities that I'd like us to emulate, four things that I see in Joshua. Here's the first one, and you, these might surprise you, but here's the first one. He didn't waste his youth. He didn't disregard his youthfulness. Now, we learn, I already told you that, that Joshua was an assistant to Moses, right? But what I didn't tell you is what it says in Numbers eleven twenty eight. It says that Joshua, the son of Nun, was an assistant to Moses since his youth. Since his youth. In other words, Joshua, since he was just a very young man, became Moses' assistant. Now, how did he become Moses' assistant? We're not really told. I don't know if it's the wind that keeps blowing this down or gravity or what. But anyway, um, we're not told how he became an assistant, but he did since he was a very young man. I don't know how it happened in our culture, but in our culture, we've created this in-between childhood and adulthood we call adolescence. And as a church, we've talked about this many times. And, and it's not that I'm trying to argue that there's no transition between childhood and adulthood. But we've created this period called adolescence where we've said that young people can't be responsible, that young people can't be leaders, that young people can't be taken seriously, that young people don't really have a spot in anything until they become adults. And I've got to tell you, folks, that is simply not what the Scripture teaches us. The Bible teaches us that God can use young people. And Joshua models it for us that since he was a very young man, he was capable of being Moses' assistant. Paul tells Timothy this. He says, Timothy, he says, don't let anybody despise you for your youth, but set yourself up as an example of the believer in speech and in conduct, in love and faith and in purity. Now, I'm not trying to argue how old Timothy was or Joshua was. I'm simply trying to say to all of you this morning that you should mark the fact that Joshua, as a young man, was used of God. The problem today is that young people, we're not willing to let you rise up. And the problem with a lot of you young people is you have no desire to rise up and be used. Somehow we've convinced you that in your youthfulness, that, that somehow that, you know, your day's coming. It's not right now. Last week, if you were here, if you listened to the message on live stream, you heard about John G. Patton. And you heard this if you were listening. You were heard that John G. Patton, when he was 12 years old, wrote this in his diary. I have given my soul to God, and I am resolved to aim at being a missionary of the cross or a minister of the gospel. And he was learning Greek when he was 11 years old. Young people, you are not too young to change the world. And can I say something else? It's one of my favorite sayings, and that is, young people, you are not the church of tomorrow. 
Jonathan, you just caught my eye. You're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. All of you young people, you are the church. It's not coming to you sometime in the future. It's what you are now. And God doesn't want you to waste your youthfulness. God wants you to invest your youthfulness in the kingdom of God, just like Joshua did. Just like Josh. Quit waiting until you grow up to serve the Lord. Quit waiting to tomorrow to apprentice and mentor and be trained in the kingdom work. Do it now. Jesus was teaching in the temple when he was 12 years old. And some of you I know immediately say, but he was Jesus. I get that. But you know, I'm trying to point out that when you're 12 years old, whether you're John G. Patton or Jesus or Joshua, God can use you in a powerful way. You know, I wrote some names down. I'm going to leave some young people out. I use these only as illustrative of all of you. But Will, Reese, Isaiah, Malachi, John Marshall, Timothy, all of y'all. Listen, here's what I want to say to you. You can make a difference in sports in your age. And you can make a difference in home, homesteading and hunting and everything else that you like to do. But you can make a difference in the kingdom of God now. You don't have to wait until you're 14 or 16 or heaven forbid when you're 18. You can be used of God now if you're willing. Tamara, Chloe, Savannah, Piper, you can be used of God now, not just tomorrow, if you're willing to allow God to do that. I tell you, I was so proud of Abigail and Victoria last year. Last year when we needed, remember I think we told you, we're not going to have children's church unless somebody rises up. And there were several of you that came and said, hey, I'm willing to do that. But the first people to come to me were Abigail and Victoria to say, we're willing to lead in that. I was so proud of that. Young people in our church taking the lead. I'm proud of, of Elijah and all the young people that are helping us with the, you know, the stuff that I know nothing about or very little about. That They're helping us with the live stream and all of that kind of stuff. They're stepping up. But, but I really want to challenge all of you. Don't waste your youthfulness on video games and hobbies. You older young people especially, what are you investing your lives, your youth in, your free time? Is it devotion to greater things or is it just to these is it just to things of adolescence? And again, I'm, I don't, I'm not denying that there's a transition between childhood and adulthood. There definitely is. But we need to challenge. Listen, older folks, we need to challenge our young people to rise up and not sit by waiting for tomorrow to get here. Mark the man Joshua. Here's the second thing I want you to mark about him. I want you to mark the fact that he was devoted to his commitments. He was devoted to his duties. And what I, it sounds kind of stupid to say, isn't it? He, here's the mark of Joshua. He was committed to his commitments. But we kind of have to say that because we live in a day and an age where people commit to stuff and they're not committed to it. They sign on the line, say, yeah, I'm willing to do that. But then they don't give it their best effort. When you look at Joshua's life, not in the book of Joshua, but in the books of Numbers and, and Deuteronomy and Exodus, you will find that Joshua was devoted to Moses. And where Moses was, Joshua was. Now, you know, how did that come about? You know, I, I don't know how it came about, but it, but it did. So when Moses is by the tent, 
of meeting, Joshua's there. When he's up on the mountain, Joshua's there. When, when Moses says, Joshua, go lead the battle against the Amalekites, I guess that's how it went down. I mean, I don't hear any arguing. It just says Joshua went out and led the battle against the Amalekites. And this is not battling when you sit in a foxhole and shoot. Not that that's not super scary, but this is when you're out there with a, a sword and a sphere trying to kill the guy, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And what I'm trying to say is that Joshua was absolutely committed to, to what he had devoted himself to or what he had obligated himself to, which was to be Moses' Moses's right-hand man. We live in a day, unfortunately, when there's too many of us, myself included, we're too lazy and half-hearted and uncommitted to what we commit. We fail to do what is expected of us or what we said we would do in our commitments. But that's not, the, that's not supposed to be the norm for us as believers. Okay, I mean, we're different. We march to a different drummer. I mean, Jesus is our commander-in-chief. We're supposed to be like him. And I guarantee you, he wasn't lazy. And he was devoted to the ministry that God had given to him. You and I need to be devoted to what we're committed to. So whatever God commits, whatever God asks of you, give it your best. Give it your all. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. In other words, whatever I do in ministry or whatever I do in my life, I'm supposed to be doing it as unto Jesus, not, to, not, not for some other reason. We, we, have, we have this view, or we need to have this view, excuse me, we need to have this view that our commitments are serious expressions of our love for Jesus. You want to see how, somebody, how much somebody loves Jesus? Look how committed they are to their obligations. I mean, that's what the verse seems to be saying to me. You say, oh, no, no, you can't judge my love for Jesus by, by what I do. I mean, I think we can judge our love for Jesus by the, by the tenor of our lives. So I'm challenging us here to, uh, to be like Joshua, to mark the man. I think all too often we're like the brother, the older brother who said, I will do it, but then he didn't do it. You remember, the, I think it was the younger brother, maybe it was just the other brother. He said, no, I'm not going to do it, but he didn't went and did it. And then Jesus asked this really penetrating question, which one of those two brothers did the will of the Father? And it wasn't the guy who said he would, but didn't do it. It was the guy who did it in the end. Joshua wasn't that man. He was the man who put his hand to the plow, obviously, and was faithful to his commitments. Commitment is, commitments aren't something we keep because we're getting lots of results. I think that's how we are a lot of times, isn't it? Hey, we, we want, I, I'll do this as long as, 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 as it's, it's happy for me. I mean, it makes me satisfying me. I'm seeing great results. And, and don't misunderstand me. I am not at all saying that God doesn't change what he wants you to do throughout your life. You know, he says, hey, you, you started with this. You got to stick with that. I'm not saying that. Last week, we learned about John G. Patton starting on the island of Tana, but then he moved to the island of Aniwa. And you remember he had great results, whatever. But it wasn't about results. It was where God sent him. But my point is, we don't do our commitments because we're getting results. We do our commitments because we're committed to it, because it's what God wants us to do. And that's what I see in Joshua. He was a man faithful to his commitments. Mark the man and let's be like the man. Here's my third one. He was a man of courage. 
Now we see, we're going to see this all throughout the book of Joshua, so I'm not going to say too much here, but we see his courage from the very beginning, going out to fight the Amalekites. I mean, that was, that was courageous, everyone. And then we see it when he's the spy in the land. He goes in and he comes back and he's, he's filled with courage. We can do this. We can do this. We can, we, can, we can go and fight this battle. Adrian Rogers tells the story of the man who bragged about cutting off the tail of a lion, a man eating a lion. And when, when, lion, and when people asked him, well, why didn't you cut off the head? He said, well, somebody else had already done that. So uh, Joshua had the courage of the first guy. He had the courage of the first guy who cut the lion's head off, not the one who cut the tail off after the head was cut off. Moses challenged Joshua. Here, here is Deuteronomy 31. Right before uh, Josh is about to take over. And he says, Moses then summoned Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all of Israel, be strong and courageous, for you will go with this people into the land the Lord swore to give you to your ancestors, to our ancestors. You will enable them to take possession of it. And there's numerous times at the end of the book of Deuteronomy where Moses is challenging Joshua, be courageous, be courageous. Did you know that Jesus, Jesus challenged his disciples to be courageous and strong? At the end of his life, the night before he's to die, he, uh, he gathers them together. You'll remember that we've just gone through this. But in John 16, 33, it said, Jesus said to them, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Be courageous. Courage isn't the absence of fear, everyone. Courage is the willingness to do what you're committed to, even when you're half scared to death to do it. I don't know. I really appreciated Ernest. I talked about this last week, and I don't, I don't know if Ernest is even here this morning. But last week, Ernest was, you know, really nervous about, we're asking him to pray and read scripture, and, and he was really nervous about it, but he did it anyway. See, that's what courage is. Courage is being willing to step out of your comfort zones and do what God wants you to do, regardless of how many butterflies you have in your gut. It's about doing what God wants you to do. And, and, and if, even if you're afraid, it's doing That's what courage is. Mark the man Joshua. Summon his courage in your own life. Pray for it and act in spite of the fears of our life. And here's my final one, the final mark in Joshua's life that I want you to see as we prepare to, to study this conquest of the land. Joshua was filled with faith in God, and he was also faithful to God to the very end. Now, I've already recounted how he was one of the spies going into the land of Cain and one of the twelve. Um, and then he and Joshua were the only two that came back and said, no, we can do this. But I didn't tell you exactly what he said. I want you to listen to him. This is what he said. He said, this is Josh, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Faith, listen, this is what faith is, everyone. Faith is, faith is not faith in, in anything. Faith is in is trusting what God has revealed about himself and in his word. That's what faith is. Faith is believing God in what God has told you, even when maybe it doesn't seem possible, even when it seems so hard. Faith is believing and taking God at his word. And so Joshua went into the, into the land of Cana, and he came back. And listen, he'd seen the walled cities, and he had seen the iron chariots. 
He'd seen the same giants that the cowards came back and said, there's walled cities everywhere, and they have iron chariots, and, and they have giants in the land. He'd seen all of that. But here's what Joshua also saw. Joshua saw God. And he saw that God, and he took God at his word, and he believed what God said. And he said, man, our God can take on the walled cities, the iron chariots, the giants in the land. God is more than able to do that. He believed God, and he took God at his word. You know, I tell you to mark this because the Bible says that's the kind of man and woman God is looking for. A man or woman who will take God at his word, that will believe him and trust him. In Chronicles, in Chronicles, here's what God says. He's looking for people like Joshua. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And I know it doesn't say, it doesn't say those exact words. His heart's looking for a person who trusts his word. But I'm telling you, the person whose heart is loyal to the Lord is the person whose heart believes the Lord and takes him at his word. Corrie Tin Boone made a, um, an acronym out of the word faith. And she said that faith was this. Faith is a fantastic adventure in trusting Him. A fantastic adventure in trusting Him. That's what faith is. And if there's anything I'd want you to mark, it'd be Joshua's faith this morning. Mark the fact that he trusted God's word. He trusted what God said. And, but, but there's more than that that I want you to notice with regard to faith. Joshua's life is punctuated not just by faith, but by faithfulness to the very end. By being filled with faith all the way till the very last part of his life. So we get to the end of the book of Joshua. And this is, the I think, the only verse I'm quoting to you actually from the book. But at the end of the book of Joshua, he gathers all the people together. And this is a very famous verse. Many of you will know it. It says, and if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river. That's talking about the gods back there in Egypt. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve Yahweh. We will serve the Lord. In other words, hey guys, I get it. You're questioning about all of this. You're wondering whether this is worth it, Joshua says to them. He says, hey, if you're, if you're game, go back to the gods of Egypt. Serve them. If you want to serve the gods of the people all around you, go serve them. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I don't care what you do. We're going to serve God. Even in his old age. Joshua was faithful, trusting God to the very end. A few minutes ago, I told the youth that Josh didn't waste his youthfulness, and he invested it. And I bet you a bunch of you old people were sitting out there saying, Yeah, get it, get him, Jimmy, tell him how it is, right? Tell those young people to follow Jesus, right? Well, I've got a word for you old people, and it's this. Don't throw away your senior years either. Don't waste your senior years. Because one thing that I think is really true, we may have created adolescence which, which stymies our young people in their spiritual growth and their abilities and willingness to lead and be the men and women that God wants them to be. But I tell you, there's something else in our culture that's infected the church. And that is that we old people somehow get to retire from the kingdom of God. We get to retire from serving and being faithful. And I get a pass now because I'm old. You know, you don't get a pass, everyone. And there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. 
And I'm not talking about you retiring from your job. I'm talking about there's no retirement from following and loving and serving and investing your life, you know, for the kingdom work. That's what Joshua did to the very end. You know, if he were here today, he'd probably say, hey, listen, if you want to serve, if you want to serve retirement with all the kind of things that don't matter, go serve it. But as for me, I'm going to serve my God all the way to the very end. The thing that I want us to mark in Joshua's life is his faithfulness, his faith in God and his faith all the way till the very end. Mark the life of Joshua. I'm 60 years old, and y'all, y'all kind of chuckle at me when I talk about getting old, and and I get it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Bill's age back there in the very back, right? I'm not Bill's age, but you know what? I'm I'm fast approaching it. I'm fast approaching the time when when I can actually retire from my job, right? But but from from your support of me, but I but I can never. I can never, and, and God, by the grace of God, I will never quit being faithful. And I don't want you to quit being faithful either. I realize that age slows us down. And we can't do everything that we could do when we were younger. I get that. But nobody, in, nobody on this tarmac this morning has a right to step away from serving our king in the kingdom of God. I don't care what your age is. So let's mark Josh's faith, his faith, and then let's mark his faithfulness as well. So we need to mark Josh's faithfulness, and I've pointed out four marks in his life. Don't waste your youthfulness. Devote yourself to what you commit yourself. Be courageous, and then be filled with faith and be faithful in your old age. Find men and women, young men and women, old men and women who are doing this, and then be like them. Imitate them. Follow them. There's no, there's no shame in saying, I want to learn from you. I want to be like you because you're like Jesus. And I want to be like you. There's no shame in that. That's a good thing. And then even more than that, you follow somebody, but you be somebody that other people can follow. Be the person that other people will say, I want to be like him. Or I want to be like her. One more man that had the mark of God on him was General Booth. And I told you not too long ago about General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. And a reporter once asked General Booth, he said, what's the secret to your success in ministry? And this is what uh, General Booth said. He said, because God has had all of me. Because God has had all of me of me. Today as we make as we contemplate making a mark for God, I ask you this question in closing. Does God have all of you? Does God have all of me? Or am I in coast mode? Or am I in adolescent mode? Or am I just in I'm too busy with my own life mode? Does God have all of us. Let's pray. God, I confess on behalf of myself and my brothers and sisters that are here this morning that we we wrestle, Lord, with you having all of us. We want you to have all of us, but you made us with 
a degree of an autonomy from you, so it's, it's, it's hard at times, Lord, we want to just be about ourselves and not about you. But this morning, as we've marked the man Joshua, as we've looked at his life, Lord, as we've looked about some things that, that marked him, Lord, we, we say that we want to be like Joshua, even as Joshua is like Jesus, and even as Jesus is you, we, we want to be the, this kind of person, Lord, who is investing his or her life in the kingdom work. Father, help us to be more concerned with each other and with your kingdom than we are with our pleasures and, and all the things that we enjoy in life. Lord, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. So everything we enjoy is a gift from you. Help us not to put the gift before the giver. Help us not to put the things that you've given to us in a position of, of being more important and more valuable to us than you. Lord, help us to be filled with the Spirit, your Spirit, so that we can, so that we can do this very thing that I'm asking you. Lord, I thank you for the time we've had together this morning. It has been particularly sweet for me to see most of the family here today, Lord, so I'm really grateful for that. And uh, God, we just... You know, it's been a difficult time for all of us, Lord. Uh, some of us just difficulty trying to protect ourselves because of our health. And, and just others, you know, we're chafing at the isolation. And it's just really been difficult. It's been difficult for us to function as a family in the sense that we can't be together. or haven't been able to be together. But, uh, Lord, just thank you for walking. And I know we're not even out of it yet, Lord. But thank you for walking us, walking with us through this. Thank you for helping us. The Spirit, I pray that you'd help us to love one another. Lord, we do. I just uh, want to pray for, again, for our country and the things that are happening and the division that's polarizing us. And Lord, it wasn't, it was before COVID, Lord, that we were really polarized. And it's, you know, we don't even know how to respond. But Lord, I pray that we would be like you so that our courage and our love and our faith and our faithfulness It'll be seen by others, and others will be transformed and, and know you personally. We thank you for all of this. Thank you for our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed.